true crime podcast don't blame the mom i'm hannah and i am kate i hope everybody is keeping well and has had a nice week exactly and we're back today for episode 39 Yay. oh my god we're almost at 40 but we said we're not going to celebrate any milestone ones until like 50 or something oh yeah we? we did say that so okay. let's just so not get excited shut up kate yeah <laughs> so let's just forget we said that okay so it's Friday night, having a cheeky little uh, drink as always. Um, I'm, I'm actually having a Red Bull. That really threw you, didn't it? it when you <laughs> pulled out that Red Bull, that completely threw me. You're absolutely was, dead right. She was so shocked. I was like, "What? Who are like, you?" I'm only gonna Red have Bull. one sip, and then just to give me, just you know, just to pet me up a little bit. But it's true. I'm so anti Red Bull. I just hate it. But so if she's super hyper, you guys know why. Well, I've only had a sip, so who knows, guys? I might be bouncing off the walls. <laughs> no, I actually used to drink it quite a lot, like about. 12 years ago I think I had like two cans a day and then the doctor I remember like your heart must have been through yeah I went to the doctor because I was getting heart palpitations he was like uh yeah stop drinking Red Bull and I was like oh my god I didn't know it was that bad yeah you know like it's like rocket fuel yeah it's really bad you know they said like Red Bull gives you wings they should change it to it gives you heart palpitations (laughs) because that is way more not sure that like marketing was gonna really go for that doesn't doesn't flow quite imagine them sitting around the board what do you think about uh (laughs) Red Bull gives you heart palpitations what do you think about like medical problems huh I have a question (laughs) I don't know if that's gonna sell our product actually (laughs) Well, I've had one sip, so... Uh, Fire the marketing manager. <laughs> <laughs> so before we forget, by the way, guys, I want to give a shout out to um, my actual old school friend, Leanne, who um, did come to the wedding a couple weeks ago. <laughs> but also she has been a fan of the podcast from day dot, which is nice because we don't know many people that listen to it, do we? Like, No, in, that's true. It's like... Our friends don't like, listen to us. Thanks, guys. <laughs> All two of them. (laughs) Like, no one we know actually listens to them, except maybe like a couple of my sisters occasionally. I think your mum listens to them sometimes. Shout out Anita, we love you. My mum doesn't, hence why I slag her off all the time. No, I'm just kidding. I don't really love my mum. No, um, but you know what? She hasn't got an iPhone, so she can't um, listen on like Apple Podcasts. She doesn't have Spotify. Oh. Yeah. She's got those Android phones, which is just so weird. My mum has an Android. Okay, that's just crazy. We she must listen on Spotify. I'll ask her. Oh, okay. She didn't answer our Did question no. on uh, Instagram, which she does have an Instagram. Oh, well, go Anita. Yeah. So does my mum, actually. She's very high tech, our Anita. Your mum actually does, and your mum is always, she's so good. Every time yeah. I put up something, she gives like, me a heart. 100%. She is the queen of Thanks, liking. Jan. She's so funny. Whenever she like makes a reel or like um, a post, she messages me and all my sisters on the group. Can anyone just check if my Instagram post has worked? Oh, I love Every her. Every time without fail. Bless her. She's so cute. That's so cute. I know. So, um, um, Sorry, the other thing is, speaking of Instagram, Hannah put up the video of me... <laughs> Dashing my bag underneath the table at the wedding. Oh, God, that Too was hilarious. Funny. I cracked up when I saw that. So elegant. Yeah, I know. We did get a lot of people being like, so how elegant we are and like yes. classy and stuff. And yeah. you know what? You're all correct. Yeah, what an entrance. Very interesting the kerfuffle I was in when I walked in as well. Jesus. Becca was left outside with a little heels stuck in the woodwork. Left behind. It's every man for himself, like I said. Absolutely. But yeah, no, it was a great wedding. But I just want to say a big hello to Leanne. Thank you for listening and being one of the only one of our friends that listens, Leanne. I do appreciate it. Mm-hmm. And um, yes, I'm not forgetting our shout out today because I remember I did, supposed to do it last week. Completely forgot because I was all wedding if that's the word. 
it's not, but we're going to go with that. Okay, I think it's okay. We'll go with it. <laughs> Weddingified. So how's your week been Irish? Um, good. So actually, I randomly took on a coding course this week. So I just got in my head that I was going to do a coding course. She's learning to be a hacker. <laughs> I mean, barely. <laughs> Day two was a real struggle. I was like, I can't do this. I Sean even... had to like big me up and be like, you can do it. Come I, on. I actually don't even know what coding means. So it's like how coding is like the background information on how like you, how websites and stuff are developed. Right. Oh my God. So look out, don't blame the mom website coming soon. <laughs> Yay. No, we need to do that because we were meant to do that ages ago. I know, but listen. Daisies. I can tell you what, my coding um, abilities are not up to building a full website yet, but look. Work on those hacking ones. They might be more useful. <laughs> All right, I'll give that a go. You know? Can't build a website, but surely we can... I can hack one. Yeah, just think of the things we could do. <laughs> Yeah, you're so Things right. we could break into. No, what would be the first thing you would hack? Oh, um... You would hack police files. Oh my God, 100%. <laughs> FBI, Scotland Yard. Ooh. No, I'm kidding, guys. Please don't arrest me. No. <laughs> Please, no. I'll send you your, her address. 135. <laughs> I feel like we've given it away many times on this podcast. <laughs> I know, your sister actually was like, can you guys stop giving hints as to where you live? I'm terrified like, that someone's going to come and yeah. find you. I was like, oh, well, too late now. No, yeah. one, no one will be bothered anyway. So. And I suppose in our heads, we think that like we're saying one thing one week. But, you know, if you add it all up <laughs> probably just like walk straight up to my front door yeah. so if you are looking for a dress guys listen to what kate just said and listen to every single week <laughs> and then you'll find exactly where we are right now it's like that three words isn't it it's like it's like a cipher like the zodiac left in his things you know the cipher where are hannah and kate to be honest it's really easy to find where we are on a weekend it will just be a pub yeah. <laughs> okay, stop. I actually thought you were going to start listing the pubs. <laughs> Becca will kill us. Um, maybe next time, guys. Maybe next time. Yeah. Yes. So uh, shall we have a little talk about, first of all, are there any more shout outs besides Leanne's or not? Um, hi, Leanne. Yeah. Um, t- totally there is. And I actually can't find my phone to look at what it was, but we will do it next week. Okay. Awesome. In which case, so that was great. That was amazing. <laughs> Lovely. I'm really glad I asked. So, on that note, shall we get into episode 39? Absolutely. And as usual, all of our sources will be available. Um, trigger warnings this does involve domestic abuse and obviously murder. Um, and I think that's kind of. And that, that we've done all the it, housekeeping? Guys. Yeah, we have done the housekeeping. So, there we go. Okay. Well, so. Let me tell you about what we're doing today. So she was a 22-year-old woman with her whole life in front of her. She had dreams of adventure and her ambition was to become a full-time travel influencer, living a nomadic hashtag van life lifestyle, Mm. which she wanted to document and share with the world. She was working hard to achieve this dream, traveling in her van with her fiancé, when without warning, all communication to the outside world stops and she vanishes. When her family realised that their soon-to-be son-in-law has returned to his family home in Florida without their daughter, they are shocked. But they would be even more surprised when he and his family refuse to speak to them or the police regarding their daughter's whereabouts. This is the case of Gabby Petito. Yeah. Gabby Petito was born in Blue Point, New York on the 19th of March, 1999. Gabby was the eldest of six siblings Her parents, Joseph Petito and Nicole Smith, split when she was young, but they remained extremely close and Gabby grew up in a loving and caring blended family. Mm. 
Um, Gabby lived with her mother and her stepfather, Jim Smith, and her younger siblings in a beautiful home near the waterfront in Blue Point. So Gabby was described by those who knew her best as kind and thoughtful. She was a lover of nature and was wowed by the world's beauty. She was often the first to jump at the idea of adventure, be it to the local beach to listen to the waves splash on the shore, or bigger adventures across the US. Her mother Tara describes Gabby as a free spirit who wanted the best for everyone, always the person to pick somebody up if they were feeling down. Now, Gabby and Brian met in high school when he was a junior and she was a sophomore. They were both students at Bayport Blue High School in Bayport, Long Island, New York. Now, they weren't particularly close in high school. They were just part of the same friendship circle. Gabby graduated in 2017, and it wasn't until after this that they started dating, um, after they took a road trip to, in a car to California in March 2019. In 2020, Brian's parents relocated to Florida, and the decision was made that Gabby would move to Florida to live with Brian and his family in his parents' new home in Newport. While living in Florida, Gabby worked in the pharmacy section of a Publix supermarket. Mm-hmm. I think these are pretty famous in that part of America. I think they're America. like a chain, aren't yeah. they? But it seems to be just that part. Mm. Um, and it's one of those ones that has a supermarket and a pharmacy attached to it. Yeah. So she worked as a pharmacy technician and was saving more money in order to plan a cross-country road trip in her new camper van. Amazing. Now, Brian Christopher Laundrie, her um, worst half, was a Long Island native and was built on November 18th, 1997 to Father Christopher John Laundrie, known as Chris, and Mother Roberta Maria Vinci Laundrie. So they were aged 62 and 55, respectively, at the time of Gabby's murder. Brian was the youngest child of two and has an older sister named Cassie. Brian lived with his parents in Northport, Florida, which is a quiet suburban neighborhood with a population of around 75,000 and it's about 50 miles north of Fort Myers. Chris Laundrie also lived in Hanaha, Hanaha, <laughs> Hanaha. Oh God, you'd think I'd be able to pronounce that. Usually you're pretty good. You I know. You make it all the mess ups. Oh dear, my bad. I'm taking one for the team this week. Do it. Hanaha, South Carolina, before moving to Northport in 2017, like millions of people did, who were seeking the warmer climate of Florida. I mean, why wouldn't you? You know. I know. Florida looks amazing, but. I've never like, been to Florida. I've, I've only never been, been to Miami Airport. To. Does, oh, that yeah, <laughs> Does that count? Does that count? Technically, if you've got a stamp, then, you know, sure, why not? <laughs> no, I got given a to. Oh, okay. I well. took my phone out going through security. Oh, no. Searching flights, and I literally got shouted at by a man with a gun. Really? The hell out of me, yeah. Were they, like, suspicious because you had 20 middle names? No, I they think should have been. Not, yeah, <laughs> they should have been. I think you're just not allowed to take your phone out, was what I learned. Oh, really? At the airport? In When I was going through the security. You know, there's sometimes if you have to switch flights, you have to re-go through security yeah. again. But it's kind of like an internal security. Ah, where were you going? California, maybe? Oh, nice. Oh, maybe actually I was going to Columbia. Oh, okay. Fuck it. Okay, well, anyway, moving swiftly on. Um, When they had settled in Northport, Chris and Roberta Laundrie established Juicer Services, which is a company that sells and services commercial juicing equipment. Chris is the president of the company, while Roberta is the vice president. And it's believed the company has closed down since Gabby was killed. Oh, really? Apparently. So Brian was a self-described nature enthusiast, ironically, and he wrote on his Instagram bio that he believed that bug bites are better than being brainwashed by the media. 
Oh, is he trying to be deep or something? Because it's just not working. That is not Brian. Deep. Seriously. He thought of himself as an artist and posted various designs and drawings on his Insta where he had over 270,000 followers. What? Yes. I don't understand it. It's actually, I actually looked for his Instagram, of course. I went on the stalk and it's not there anymore. I guess they've taken his one down. Because um, I was like, that can't be right. Not There is no way that drip is going to get 270,000 followers. Because Gabby was an artist as well, but she didn't have as many. No, I mean, she, obviously she has a lot more now and since yeah, she went she missing. Does. But yeah, yeah. Uh, I was thinking maybe did he have 270,000 followers by the time they shut it down? Maybe it was that. I wonder. So either way, it's reported that he had 270,000 followers um, and he was described as a craftsman and pursued and explored a survivalist lifestyle at times, enjoying being in nature and camping and practicing yoga. Now, Brian and Gabby's paths fatefully crossed as teenagers, as you said, when they attended Bayport Blue Point High School, which is uh, situated in Bayport, Suffolk County, New York. They did start dating seriously in March 2019, and uh, Brian was two years older than Gabby. Gabby and Brian also worked together at a public supermarket in Northport, where she was a pharmacy technician, like you said, and he was working in the grocery department. But when the COVID-19 pandemic first struck, they both quit their jobs there. So by the time they were ready to embark on their travel adventures, just before Gabby's disappearance, Brian had been working at a local organic juice bar. It was in 2019. Was that not his parents' juice bar? He was now, now I think about it. <laughs> <laughs> See, I literally wrote this last week. Now I'm looking back. Are there in this place? That does make sense. Maybe they were all just really healthy and they really like juice. You know, I mean, they have great oranges in Florida, don't they? They've got to put them to use, right? (laughs) I mean, I have no idea, but it does make sense. Maybe his his parents give him the job because they just give him everything, don't they? So anyway, who knows, guys? I guess we'll have to clarify that next week. Thanks for pointing it out. Okay. (laughs) You are welcome. (laughs) So it was um. Yes, in 2019, when he started dating Gabby, that she'd actually ended up leaving Long Island, where she lived, to move in with him and his family in the house in Northport. Friends of the couple said their relationship was up and down. Sometimes they were great. Sometimes they just weren't talking. It was very on and very off. It was apparently quite stormy. And there was apparently always some sort of drama going on between the two of them. In July 2020, Brian proposed to Gabby and she said yes. She happily posted on her Instagram about it. But that same month, he actually went hiking in, in Colorado being the outdoor loving guy that he was. So they still had their own separate um, trips and interests. And that is what seemed to make him and Gabby a perfect match on the surface, at least. They were both nature lovers. They both loved the outdoors and exploring. <coughs> now they're engaged. Their future together looks exciting and it's seemingly full of promise for these young lovers. So what could possibly go wrong? Eventually, they called their engagement off as they said that they were very young and that they could wait. On the surface, looking at their social media, which plays actually a really big part in both of their lives and a huge part in this case, um, you would think that they were the ideal besotted young couple. For example, October 2020, he posted on Instagram photos of him and Gabby with the caption, never got around to posting these. I'd die just to watch all of our memories on repeat. Never loved anyone as much as this girl. So who would have thought that in just under a year, the world would sadly be exposed to what their relationship really was about? We would soon see how deceiving these posts were and that the happy, perfect front they portrayed on social media was a far cry from the dark, abusive reality Gabby was living with her now fiancé. 
it was whilst they were living under the laundry's roof that the couple decided they wanted to explore the country together and document their adventures on social media. They converted a Ford Transit van to travel around the USA on their ill-fated van life or hashtag van life trip, which tragically for Gabby was going to end in tragedy. So it was Gabby's ambition to become a travel influencer. And in December 2020, Gabby bought a white 2012 Ford Transit Connect. She was ecstatic at the prospect of doing up this van with the help of her fiancé, Brian. So they set about converting it so that they could use it for this upcoming trip. Together, they planned a four-month-long journey across the US, which was set to begin in July 2021. And then they would finish in Oregon in at kind of Halloween time, 2021. Yeah. So Gabby had launched her van life YouTube channel, Nomadic Static, where she planned to upload videos of their travels, documenting the places that they visited and the van life experience. She was a keen photographer and took beautiful, creative photos of their adventures. She had even bought a drone in order to capture the exciting footage she wanted to release on her social media outlets, YouTube and Instagram. Mm-hmm. So after attending Gabby's younger brother's high school graduation in Blue Point, Long Island, the pair were ready to begin their exciting adventure. And on the 2nd of July, their journey began. Over the next few weeks, Gabby would upload pictures to her Instagram account, showing the breathtaking places that they were visiting. She documented stopping at Monument Rock in Kansas, Colorado Springs and the Great Sand Dunes um, National Park in Colorado. Then on the 16th of July, they arrived in Utah. During their time in Utah, they stopped at Zion National Park, Bryce Canyon National Park, Mystic Hot Springs, Canyonlands National Park and the Arches National Park in Utah. I mean, all those places look absolutely incredible. incredible. I... I'm not surprised this is the trip that they wanted to go on. It looks unbelievable. I've never been to Utah, but it looks stunning. No, I really want to though. And my cousin, um, who's actually from New Zealand, but he lives in Utah and he has like a real estate business there. He's always like, oh, we should come over. I know. And it's in Salt Lake City. (laughs) Sam. Sam, we're coming. You know what? I know that he used to listen. I wonder if he still does. But yeah, he he was always like, come over whenever you want and everything. So uh, 100% We'll take you up on that offer. Expect myself and Sean to be with them. Stunning. (laughs) I mean, it's been a quite busy year obviously this year so far but definitely i'm up for booking a few holidays next year let's do it and, and then we can do our podcast on the road yay let's do that <laughs> but i mean yeah just looking at the the Insta- gabby's instagram which is still up it's just like the places they went and the pictures they took were absolutely so stunning breathtaking. she was an af- she was a fantastic photographer she was she would have done so so well yeah at what she was doing you know whether it was like a vlogging or blogging or being what's it insta what did you say she wanted to be she, like a travel influencer a travel influencer she she did it so well already mm-hmm. like she got the best angles the best shots yeah um she documented it all so well like you felt like you were on that trip with yeah, her and she was really just beginning it was really she, only so, the stars she had so much potential. potential um sorry let me go on so gabby and brian had spent the best part of that month exploring the national parks in utah when on the 12th of august 2021 991 operators in moab utah receive a call from a concerned citizen. The caller reported witnessing a domestic incident between a young male and female. He tells the operator that the young male is slapping the young female and fighting on the side of the highway before getting into a white van with Florida plates. So we have a clip of this call for you now. 
Grant County Sheriff's Office. Were you able to get a description of the intoxication? Hi, can you hear me, sir? Yeah, I can hear you. Hi, uh, I'm calling. I'm right on the corner of Main Street by Moonflower, and we're driving by, and I'd like to report a domestic dispute of Florida with a white van, Florida license plate, white land, gentleman, five-six beard. They just drove off. They're going down Main Street. They made a uh, a right onto Main Street from Moonflower. Or what were they doing? But um, what do you say? What were they doing? Uh, we drove by and the gentleman was slapping the girl. He was slapping her. Yes, and then we stopped. They ran up and down the sidewalk. He proceeded to hit her. Hopped in the car, and they drove off. Okay, you said um, it's a white van. White van. I give you the. I give you the license plate. If you give me one sec, I took okay. a picture of it. What kind of white van? Like a big one? Um, it, it was a smaller van. With the license plate of, it was white, Florida license plate QFT G03. It was, the make was a Ford, model was transit, black ladder on the passenger side. Black ladder, uh, passenger side. White Ford Transit. White Ford Transit. Okay, what's your name? And where did they, so they turned, they headed south on Main Street from Moonflower Market? Correct. They made the right turn. Oh, so they went north. North. Yeah, sorry, I'm not from around here. Okay, are you, so you're right there by the post office? Right across the street, yep. Okay, and, and when they turned onto Main Street, they went right or left? Right. Right, so they went north. North on Maine. All right. I will let somebody know. Thank you. Yeah, no worries. So after this call, Moab City police officers respond to the call and catch up to the camper van, which is speeding along the highway. The responding officer watches as the camper van swerves and hits the curb. The officer, concerned that the driver could be intoxicated, is flashing the van to pull over and approaches the passenger side window where Gabby is sitting. Body cam footage from the officer records the encounter with the couple and what they capture will later be analysed by the world and most agree that what is seen is extremely disturbing. So what we witness on the body cam are two vastly different reactions from Gabby and Brian. While Gabby is visibly distressed, crying, almost hyperventilating at points, Brian is the picture of cool, calm Mm. and collected even joking with officers, calling Gabby crazy. You know, it's beggar's belief. The body cam footage receives a lot of scrutiny afterwards as the public believe that the police did not read the signs correctly, particularly in the case of Gabby. And ultimately, they believed that Gabby was let down by the police in this instance. But I'm going to talk us through now what we see on the body cam. So Mm -hmm. Gabby is extremely emotional from the onset of the police stop. Or from the outset of the police stop, sorry. So when the officer comes to the passenger side window where Gabby is sitting, she is already in tears. The officer asks their names and then directs his attention to Gabby um, and asks her why is she crying. So Gabby tells him that the pair have been fighting all morning over some personal issues. Brian interjects, telling the officer that it's been a long day and that they've been camping. 
he apologizes for hitting the bump and Gabby immediately tells the officer that she was distracting him from driving and apologizes. Mm. At this point, the officer asks Gabby to step out of the vehicle, telling Brian to remain where he is with the keys of the van on the hood. He leads Gabby aside and asks her what's going on. Now, looking at the footage, you can see a clearly scared young lady. Mm. She seems overwhelmed with emotion and almost choking over the words as she's desperately yeah. trying to take the blame for everything, really. Yeah. And she continues to cry often throughout the footage. And it's, it's physically painful to watch it. It's really hard to watch. It's really hard. So she tells the officer that she has really bad OCD. And that morning, she'd been stressed because she'd been trying to clean the van. She tells him that she was apologizing to Brian for being, in her words, so mean. And explains she was frustrated that Brian had dragged in dirt on his feet when she was trying to clean the van and have it looking perfect for her travel vlog. Mm. Now, we're going to play a clip of this now and you will hear the stress and anxiety in her words and in her tone. So here it is for you now. I don't know, he's like, in, down there. I don't know, we'd have been fighting all morning and and he wouldn't let me in the car before. And then Why I, wouldn't he let you in the car? Because you told me your OCD? told me I needed to calm down. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm perfectly calm, I'm calm all the time. It really stresses me out, and, I just, and this is a rough morning. Well, why don't we do this? Why don't I sit you down in the back seat of my car? You're not in any trouble, okay? okay. I'm not going to be putting handcuffs on you. You obviously don't have any weapons. I'm going to get you into the air conditioning, let you take a breath, relax a little bit, and then I'll come back and talk to you in a few minutes, okay? Okay. All righty. Like I said, you're not in any trouble. So, just go ahead and take a seat. What's that? Yeah, I just spoke to her. So. You want to do me a favor? Let's go ahead and get you to step out of the vehicle. Alrighty. Come on over here. You're not in any trouble right now. So, tell me what's going on. The shoes get worked up sometimes, and I try and really distance myself from her. So, like, I, I lock the car and I walk away from her. What happened this morning is that she's trying to start up like her own little website blog and everything. So, I give her time. I, we really had a nice morning, if anything, if anything but um, she just got uh, worked up because we were trying to get going and get our day going because we want to go uh, play cards and play this other time. Okay. You, you want to tell me about those scratches on your face? She had a cell phone in her hand. That's why I was pushing her away. Because I she, she wanted to, I locked the keys so I could walk away. I, I said, let's just take a breather and let's not you know, go anywhere. Let's just calm down for a minute because she's getting worked up. And then she had her phone was trying to get the keys for I know I shouldn't push, but I was just trying to push her away to go, let's, let's just take a minute, step back and breathe. And we see if she got me So obviously you can hear just how upset Gabby is. And looking at the footage, Gabby looks anything but perfectly calm. No. She looks distraught. She's crying. Her body language is very anxious and fidgety. There's this terrible look of desperation 
on yeah. her face and in her eyes and it's, it's haunting it, and it's and it's also a, a, like a little bit of fear as well like mm. she's scared of the whole situation she's scared of saying the wrong thing she's yeah. obviously scared of getting brian in trouble 100%. and that whole taking the blame is something that we see time and, and time, time again, again of yep. victims of domestic violence which we now know gabby absolutely was and looking back at this in hindsight it's really hard to see her she's struggling and yet she's still desperate to take the blame i did this i did that and this is something that yeah, like i said it happens time and time again mm-hmm. she's so almost it's almost like she's gaslit into thinking everything is her fault oh 100 you're so right gaslighting is so the right word um and obviously you can see all of this for yourselves on um youtube there's it's all the body cam footage is available to be seen so she's in my eyes she's clearly lying to protect her partner but I feel it's the eyes that give her away like it's it's like she's she's desperately crying for help through her eyes I feel so the officer in his defense is really nice to Gabby and he sees that she's clearly distraught and guides her to sit in his squad car and he assures her you know you're not under arrest I just want to give you some time just to kind of calm down a bit Mm. So at this stage, another police car arrives and we can see that officer um, from the other vehicle making his way over to Brian. So both officers talk to Brian and they ask him to step out of the vehicle. He immediately asks, have you spoken to Gabby? And the police officer confirms, yes, I have. So Brian's story is that Gabby gets what he worked up sometimes. And he says, and I quote, I try to distance myself from her. So he explains that she's trying to set up, and again, a quote, her own little website blog, which really frustrates me when you hear him say it. Patronizing. It's so patronizing. Um, so she's trying to set up her website blog and that they'd had an argument that morning. He says about the bringing in the dirty feet and he'd moved some of the food around and all this stuff. Now, this is where things get complicated for the officers at the scene. Brian has scratches on his face by his right eye. And officers question him on how he got those scratches. So he says to them, when they were arguing, he was trying to de-escalate the situation by saying that we should take a breather. He locks the van and was walking away, but Gabby was trying to get the keys from him. So it sounds like she was trying to wrestle the keys from him, from his hands, mm-hmm. but she had her phone in her hand and she, whatever, she hit him somehow and she nicked him across the eye. Mm. The officer mentions that the van hit the curb just before they stopped. Brian says that this was Gabby's fault. Of course. She grabbed the wheel when she saw the police lights and was mad at him saying, I can't believe we're getting pulled over. The officer asks if the speed was her fault too. And I thought he said that quite sarcastically, in my opinion. Right. Saying, did she grab the pedal on you? And Brian just apologizes, saying he didn't realize he was going over the speed limit. And he he is he's apologetic to them. So the officer returns to the car where Gabby is waiting, still very upset. He speaks to Gabby about the 911 call, reporting the domestic incident. And he tells her that the caller reported seeing Brian hit her. So she says yes, but immediately follows up with, but I hit him first. Taking the blame again. Exactly. She says he kept shouting at her to shut up and that he locked the van. She was afraid that he was going to take the van and leave her in Moab City. So the officer points out that Gabby herself seems to have injuries to her cheek and her arm, which were red and showed scratch marks. So she reluctantly admits that Brian had grabbed her face, showing the officer the action by grabbing her face with a kind of clamping motion Mm. of the hand, which 
looks both painful and aggressive. Of course, because it's also it's like when like someone like grabs your face, but it's that's the control. If someone has control 100%. of your face or your head, th- there's not much you can really do. Yeah, as you if know? they're trying like, to get you to look at them and com- in the eye type thing. Yeah, it's like getting you where it hurts. You're most kind of vulnerable. Your your face near your neck. Near, you know. Yeah. It's it's a very you're, very controlling. Action. You're so right. It is an extremely controlling. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Action, action I guess. Like, yeah. yeah. So back with Brian, officers discuss their predicament. Both Brian and Gabby have said that Gabby hit Brian. She has admitted to hitting him first. And from what we know now, has downplayed his involvement. Brian is the epitome of chill, as we said, in stark contrast to Gabby. He looks like he hasn't got a care in the world. In fact, at times he almost looks defiant. Um, he can be seen laughing when the officers tell him he is the victim. He actually laughs. Wow. And joking about the idea of her going to jail for the night, commenting on how, oh, you know, this blonde, blue haired, like little, slight, little tiny yeah. thing. So the second officer now speaks to Gabby and he says, asks Gabby if, if they were drinking. And she says no and that they actually don't drink. So they talk about Brian hitting the curb and she says she punched him in the arm saying it was because she couldn't believe that the police were pulling them over, that she kind of punched him, being like, now look what's happening. Right. And the second officer then asked Gabby about her anxiety. And this is where things, for me, get really shocking. He mentions his relationship with an ex-wife and how she also suffered with anxiety. He actually uses the phrase, that's why she's my ex-wife. This to me is completely unprofessional for one thing, but it's also a turning point in the footage it very much becomes clear and puts Gabby in this, she's the wrongdoer, the abuser, the aggressor, and Brian yeah, is she's the, the innocent one being victim. Silly. She's caused this. Mm-hmm. You know. Wait till you hear what he says next. So he continues referring to her anxiety and says, this is a quote, look at the situation you are in because of it. That's awful. Like, that's blaming. Of course it is. It's victim blaming. I mean, obviously she is saying, oh, you know, <laughs> I did this, I did that. But people who do know um, about domestic abuse, which I would have thought police they, yeah. did, is that part of it is that they um, their main aim is to protect their abuser. Yeah. Because, of course, if she gets Brian in trouble, it's only going to come back worse oh, on her down the line. Of course, it comes and back tenfold. this is like textbook domestic abuse mm-hmm. behavior. You know, like, you know, she could have been brought in for a statement. She's still not going to say anything against him, stuff like that. It's like, so she's like brainwashed into protecting him. And um, she probably thinks she loves him as well. Of course. And she she obviously did think that she loved him. But um, she has, and also totally did believe, oh, if I didn't do this, then he wouldn't have hit me. If I didn't wind she, him up, he wouldn't have hit me. It's that kind of mind mentality where you think. It's constantly I, her own it was my If I hadn't said this, and yeah. then, then, you know, I deserve to be hit because of this. Yeah. And actually that's not the case at all. And it's shocking that police didn't, weren't more aware of this kind of pattern of behavior. And like I say, like, if you look at the video, and if you see her face and her eyes, it's the eyes for me just looking it's like almost at her. pleading. It's awful. It's awful. But yeah, so as you're saying, suddenly the book has been passed and the sole responsibility is now on Gabby. So through these words and the impending decision of the officers, Brian's behavior has now been vindicated and his behavior is now the acceptable behavior. So to a young person clearly in a coercive relationship, this is a horrendous injustice. And it perfectly plays into the narrative of the abuser or the manipulator, you know? Mm-hmm. So look, in hindsight, it's always, you know, it's, it's always 2020 yeah. hindsight, isn't it? And I get that the situation can be difficult to read in the moment. But to me, Gabby's clearly covering for Brian. 
as I said earlier, it's all in the eyes. It's such a giveaway. Her body language to me screams kind of defeat and distress. Would I have come to the same conclusion as the officers in that moment? I'd like to think not. But it's really easy to sit here and criticize. Mm. Um, so the officers are in conflict of what to do with Gabby and Brian. So officer number two seems to me to be kind of set on Gabby, in my opinion. I'm not convinced that officer one was maybe easily as a food and fooled initially, but nonetheless, between them, they've decided Gabby's the main aggressor, but they don't believe that she tr- truly poses a threat to Brian. Finally, a decision is made not to cite Gabby, but uh, for like a... Dis- uh, yeah, not to arrest her. Yeah, but to split the two up for the evening. And when, they, when he tells her this, I just want to hug her because she just yeah. looks so sad. It's and so she lost. starts crying and she Horrible. does look lost. Um, so yeah, it's, it's heartbreaking. So a no contact rule is put in place. So where they're not allowed to contact each other for the evening. Yeah. So she, if she contacts him, she will be arrested. Or if he contacts her and right. she replies, she'll be arrested. But would they enforce it? Of course I don't know. Not. Um, so Gabby is left where he wouldn't be arrested. It would only be her. No, I regardless. know. But unless Brian grasped on her, it's like, oh, by the way, she's contacted me. Oh, yeah. They yeah, yeah. couldn't enforce it. No. They're not going to check their phones all night. No, they would have no, gone no, on no. to other jobs. So Gabby is left with the van and Brian is put up in a hotel by a domestic assault outreach program. So one of the officers is even apologizing to Brian, saying that he is sorry that this has happened and that this is happening to him. And another officer can be seen fist bumping him before he's driven away. This just, you know, it, again, it kind of like is another typical domestic abuser where they are charming, charming. and they are likable and they know how to put on that chameleon veneer of, mm-hmm. oh, well, you know, she's just stupid. She's and, you just know, crazy. She's like, she gets a little bit crazy sometimes, yeah. you know. I just I let manage her, get on with her it, anxiety. You know, I, you know I'm, I just kind of try and calm her down. Yeah, you I know? look after her. And I'm it's, this. And I'm this is the reason why people like this are able to get into relationships in the first place is because they are charming at first and they are are really nice at first and they're likable and they use that to look and trap people into relationships Mm. and then that kind of only drops once someone is emotionally involved so he probably used that charm on these officers and used his likable veneer which was an act Mm. for sure so officer one drives brian to be set up with the place to stay for the night in the squad car this officer also discusses his wife's anxiety and how he has had to manage that situation. It's not a particularly nice conversation. And I wouldn't like my partner to be discussing me like that. I, I was quite shocked that both of those officers did that, to be honest. So one of the big issues that the media highlights after the police body cam footage is released is that the officers did not actually follow Utah law. So by law, they should have arrested the abuser. Now, in this instance, that would have been Gabby. And OK, maybe we don't agree with that, but immediately speculation whether this mistake has caused Gabby her life is everywhere could this have been prevented if more had been done if they had actually yeah. followed the letter of the law yeah and that's the thing we'll never know it's just no. you're right hindsight is 2020 but we we won't ever know the answers <laughs> to that question but no and it could have made no difference whatsoever yeah, it could have made no difference because again if you're in an abusive relationship it takes um at least seven times to leave your abuser so even like even if she did leave him after that because she'd been arrested who knows whether she would have gone back or not. And apparently they'd broken up a few times before. This could have been a cycle that she was trapped in. So it could have helped. It might, it's true. It might have done absolutely nothing. It's impossible to know. So on August the 17th, um, her and 
Brian had already reunited at this stage. And then he took a flight from Salt Lake City to Tampa, Florida, leaving Gabby behind. During this time, Gabby spent a few days at a Fairfield Inn hotel near the Salt Lake City airport, according to staff who actually remembered her. According to Brian's family attorney later down the line, he made this trip as he had a storage unit he wanted to clear out to save money as they'd apparently been contemplating extending their road trip and funds were already quite low. On the 18th of August, Gabby, being the social media fan and, and budding blogger that she was, uploaded a video of both her and Brian from this leg of their trip looking happy and content and like they're on this like amazing adventure. You would never have known what no. had occurred. Again, it goes to show how easy it can be to, you know, cover up these Avail. things, put on a smile mm -hmm. and people don't really know what's going on behind closed doors or, you know, behind that camera. So Brian flew back to rejoin Gabby on the 23rd and then they checked out of the room together on August the 24th. Now, it was around this time on August the 25th that Gabby's made her last ever phone call to her mother. And Gabby explained they're traveling from Utah and were en route to the next destination of Wyoming where they planned to visit Grand Teton and Yellowstone National Parks. It was also reported that on the same day, Gabby made her final ever post on her Instagram. But when I actually looked at her last post, it's dated the 26th of August. So it was 26th, 27th, something like that. Okay. Um, sorry, 25th, 26th. Uh, the, the post depicts photos of her in a black t-shirt and a long skirt. She's smiling. She's happy. Um, as she stands in front of a butterfly mural outside a restaurant in Ogden, Utah. It's really sad to see these pictures of such a young girl with her whole life ahead mm. of her and to know that really soon it was going to be so cruelly stolen from her. Yeah. On August 27th, between 1 and 2 p.m., a witness later stated they saw Gabby and Brian together at the Mary Piglet's, Piglet's Tex-Mex restaurant in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. And according to her, the couple looked anything but happy. In fact, it was the opposite. She recalls that Brian was being really aggressive and had an argument apparently about money with the manager and waitress and hostess of the restaurant. The witness also said she later sort of visibly upset Gabby returning to the restaurant crying and apologizing profusely for Brian's behavior. It was later confirmed. I know. It was later confirmed the couple had indeed been there by the star. Shortly after this sighting, on the same day, Gabby and Brian were pictured on CCTV at a Whole Foods store in Jackson, Wyoming. They arrived in the car park at 2.11pm and then entered the store at 2.14 before leaving at 2.30 to head back into their van. Now, you can almost see when you watch this CCTV that their body language, you can tell that something is up. Aren't her arms kind of crossed? It's kind of crossed a bit sullen. Like, it's almost like self-comforting. Yeah. Um, he's kind of like st like stomping along kind of thing. The body language is not anything but relaxed, if you know what I mean. He's just kind of marching defiantly. She's kind of lagging a bit behind. It seems like something's up mm. when you look at They're it. They're clearly not in a great place at no. the time. So after that, for 20 minutes, they're sitting in their van. Who knows what's going on inside there? And then eventually their van drives out of the car park and drives away. At 2.56, it pulls off at Highway 89, the road north to Bridger Teton National Forest Campsite. Tragically, this CCTV was the last time 22-year-old Gabby Petito was ever seen alive. It was, oh, I just got a chill down so my I, body So there. did I, and I've got a polar neck on. <laughs> <laughs> It for was, reference. Yeah, just to let you guys know. <laughs> it was also on that same fateful day that Gabby's mum, Nicole, received a really strange text message from her daughter's phone that instantly it just didn't feel right to her. It said, can you help Stan? I just keep getting his voicemails and missed calls. 
Now, this message was concerning to Nicole because she knew Gabby would never refer to her grandfather, whose name was Stan, by his first name. She knew it wasn't Gabby's usual vernacular. So when Gabby embarked on this fan life trip of a lifetime, she had made constant contact with her mum and she messaged or called her and her parents at least every two days, like minimum. Now Gabby, after that message, had gone quiet and that didn't sit well with her mum. Um, and after that message, she just thought, what is what's she There's talking about? Yeah, yeah, but she couldn't get in touch with her. So she put it down to travel and distance complications, um, hence why Gabby wasn't answering and thought maybe she hasn't got any signal or something yeah, like that. Yeah, because they're kind of in the middle of nowhere. Exactly. Like, and they're moving. Park is quite remote. Exactly. And, so the, and also, as far as her mom knows, they could be moving around. So yeah. she puts it down to that at first. Now, we don't know exactly what happened on the moments and hours after this final sighting of Gabby, but witnesses later come forward with what they saw in the days after her disappearance. One contacted the FBI to report the activities and coordinates of a slow-moving white van and a generic-looking young white man who was acting weird near the Spread Creek camping area on August 26th, 27th and 28th. So this this is at the time when she was last in live yeah. and then the time where she goes off the radar. This witness posted a video on TikTok explaining what she saw. And according to her, an FBI agent later told her that her information had tipped them off to the correct location of Gabby's body. Another woman came forward by the name of Miranda Baker, claiming that on August 29th, two days after Gabby is thought to have been murdered, she and her boyfriend had given Brian a lift from an area near Coulter Bay Village. They'd seen him hitchhiking alone on the side of the road and stopped for him. Apparently, he offered them $200 for the ride, which they say they found weird. They also said he didn't appear to be dirty, despite his claims that he'd been camping for days in the outdoors. Miranda said that Brian freaked out when he realised they were going to Jackson Hole instead of Jackson, Wyoming, promptly getting out of the car at 6.09pm, less than half an hour after they'd picked him up. So they just left him there at the Jackson Lake Dam. That was a pretty expensive Uber, wasn't it? Well, yeah, if they actually took the $200. I would have taken it. <laughs> Same. <laughs> it, it, was, it was for cheapskates, aren't we? <laughs> and it was, Entrepreneurs. Exactly, there you go. I prefer that one. So it was at this spot another witness stated that she then picked up Brian at 6.20 or 6.30 p.m., dropping him off at the entrance to the Spread Creek dispersed camping area. How much did she get out of him? Oh. Who knows? Again, Brian offered petrol money for the ride and said he didn't want to be taken any further from the entrance of the campground, which is several miles from the van. According to this witness, Brian started acting really antsy about getting out of the car as it got closer to the campsite. Whilst all this was going on, Gabby's parents still had no idea that their their daughter was no longer with Brian and she'd gone missing at this point. Especially because Nicole, her mum, then receives another text message from Gabby's phone on the 30th of August saying, no service in Yosemite. And that was it. In Yosemite? Yeah. So, I mean... not even anywhere near Yosemite. I guess that's probably where their next stop was supposed to be. Okay. And maybe, I mean, they're probably... That's maybe where they should have been by that stage. I don't know. But she says, no service in Yosemite. Before that, that was Wyoming. And now, you know, quite a few days have lapsed. And she's like, oh, no service in Yosemite. I guess she's... That was Brian, if it was indeed him writing it. Yeah. His way of saying, oh, we're somewhere else, can't get signal. Mm -hmm. So again, it's another really strange message that she found really odd, but there wasn't much reason for her to be too alarmed at this point still. As far as she knew, the couple were still happily, safely traveling around together. Now on September the 1st, Brian arrives back home at his parents and he is alone. 
but he's in the white Ford Transit van and Gabby is nowhere in sight. It's in September that Gabby's parents are now starting to really get worried. They've heard nothing from their daughter. They can't get hold of her. And eventually her mobile just stops ringing. So oh it's God. completely gone dead. The anxi- like the actual anxiety, anxiety. must have been feeling. They can't get hold of Brian. He's not answering either. And on the 11th, they file a missing persons report as they can't get hold of their daughter. They don't know what is going on. Four days later, Brian is named a person of interest. And they've found out after they filed the report that Brian's actually been back home for at least 10 days. So all along, they think he's with their daughter. They can't get hold of either of them. They then find out Brian's been down the road or in Florida. So absolutely insane. Like, you'd be in total of shock. Of course, absolutely. So four days after you know, she's filed as missing, Brian is named as a person of interest. And then his parents, of course, have hired a lawyer and they're all remaining silent, refusing to talk to anyone about the case. They're not talking to law enforcement. They are not answering questions uh, of the Petito family or, in fact, news and media, which are starting to really pick up on this case. So it's very strange because these laundries, lovely family that they are, they, there was a young girl. She lived with them. She was engaged to their son at some point, you know, on and off. And she's now missing and they're doing nothing to help find her or even to help her parents. In fact, they're hindering the investigation by refusing to cooperate or give any information. It's just shocking. Well, like at the time, she technically is still his fiance because although they... They haven't cancelled that and they've postponed it. They just said, yeah, it's not something they were Because they were do. just like, they're going to actually use their money to go on this trip and not right. save for the wedding. And yeah. also they just quit, the, you know, they quit the jobs, they bought the van, yeah. and da, 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 you know. Again, it shows like their up and down kind of like, kind yeah. of relationship. but they were also young. Yeah, of course, yeah. So now at this point, everyone is looking for Gabby. And I don't just mean in her town or her state. It was not just her family and her friends who are desperately searching for her and they wanted her home safely. But now the whole world was starting to look. The word was spreading Mm. and everyone started searching for her thanks to social media and all the news coverage that it garnered. I mean, this case went absolutely viral. It was all over TikTok, all over Instagram. There was YouTube videos in the hundreds of thousands. Under a rock, rock. it just blew up really, really quickly. Mm -hmm. And everyone wanted to know, everyone wanted to find her. It's kind of crazy how quickly it garnered, it gathered speed as well. Um, and still the people who, well, her fiance is not saying a word. Just everyone just kind of shut, shut up shop in his family. All the laundries did. Um, so it was only after 10 days of Brian being back home that obviously her parents had found out that he'd been back in town for, you know, nearly two weeks. And of course that absolutely terrified them because now their whole opinion on everything had changed. They didn't know what was going on. And all along she thought, you know, They'd still been together, that he was looking after her almost. So you can imagine how shocked and scared her family are now at this point. And they're starting to really, really worry that this doesn't look good at all. So even more unbelievably, it transpired on the 6th and 7th of September after Brian had quietly sneaked back home. He'd gone on a lovely little camping trip with his doting enabling parents at the Fort DeSoto Park <laughs> in Pinellas County. What lovely descriptive words there, yeah, Hannah. I mean, so your girlfriend's missing. The whole world knows about it. Well, actually, no, sorry. At this point, they don't know about it yet. So he's stuck back home and then him and his family book a little camping trip together. It's weird. It's absolutely insane. Meanwhile, Gabby's parents are trying to get hold of him and he's blanking them and completely gone silent on them. And, he's and, no, and nobody trip. is contacting and no, their and parents. No, like the parents, nobody's talking like to her, her parents. Like her parents aren't responding either. No. It's ridiculous. Terrible. 
Sorry, no, no, sorry. His parents aren't responding yeah. either. So all this while, Gabby's completely disappeared off the face of the earth. He's ignoring the parents. The laundries, like you said, are all ignoring them. Um, he wasn't helping the search of the daughter at all. And this is someone he supposedly loved. So he yeah, wouldn't answer rubbish. any questions. Um, complete radio silence. So can you imagine the fear and horror they must have started to feel at that point, realizing not only Brian had been back in town solo for weeks, but now he's going on little trips with his family really strange behavior and the audacity of them yeah you know you're right the absolute audacity as more and more info comes to light suspicions were high the world over at this point obviously his girlfriend disappears the boyfriend returns home from the trip alone he won't talk to anyone i mean massive red flags all over the gap Mm -hmm. at this point so the news and media were not shy about pointing fingers of suspicion straight towards brian and also everyone was vocal in questioning his family's possible cover-up and also, everyone was vocal in questioning his family's possible cover-up in what is now suspected to be a serious crime. As suspicions grew and the laundry family's behaviour continued to shock and baffle people the world over, police put the laundry house under surveillance. My favourite thing. I'd love to do that. <laughs> that, as well as the media from all over the world camping outside the laundry's home 24-7, and there was volunteer searchers, and there was worried, angry people standing outside their lawn shouting their anguish and suspicions of the family who were inside the house. It was like they were being hounded. Yeah. And, you know, to be fair, it's their own fault because they're not saying a damn word. Have you seen that video footage of Chris Laundry and he's out there mowing yeah. the lawn? Yeah, and just ignoring everyone. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'll see if we can post that on our Insta, actually, if I can track it down. But, I mean, it's just a complete and utter denial, isn't it? Yeah. Completely. But, I mean... Like, I actually don't know how he has the goal to be out there. I don't know how any of them have the goal. It's crazy. So all the while, they believe that Brian Laundrie is still inside the house. He's obviously retained his lawyer and he's been refusing to speak to authorities. And still, the police didn't detain him despite them saying they needed to speak with him for the investigation. And despite the fact he's the only person of interest. At the time, Northport PD's Josh Taylor said, right now we don't have a crime. We have a concern of a crime. And so it continued. The news, media and people are openly accusing Brian on all platforms of being responsible for his girlfriend's disappearance. The media are outraged. Everyone surrounding the laundry home trying to elicit some sort of info from the laundries or from Brian himself. Except there was one thing, one big problem with that. Brian Laundrie was no longer hiding and skulking like a little wimp inside his family's home. In fact, despite the house supposedly being under surveillance, Brian has somehow slipped away. And now the only person of interest in his girlfriend's disappearance has gone missing too. I mean, it's just shocking. So on Friday, the 17th of September, Florida Police Department get a call from the Laundrie's attorney. Now, Hannah, this is not a call to help with the search for Gabby. No, no. They are ringing to report their son, Brian, missing. So they haven't seen him since Tuesday, three days earlier. This is the first time that the laundries have cooperated and spoken to police directly about the case. So now there are two searches in the same case going on in two different parts of the country. Florida police are searching for searching the Florida Wildlife Reserve for Brian and the FBI are searching the Grand Teton National Park in Wyoming for Gabby. Mm. Florida police 
In the meantime, are also searching the laundry home for clues into the disappearance of both Gabby and Brian. So they are searching the camper van, which obviously he has driven back. The parents' silver Mustang. So they must have thought the parents have some involvement. The laundry computer. And they're taking like boxes of evidence from the house as well. And obviously this is all being recorded because as you say, all the media are camped outside and protesters are camped outside the house because people Mm -hmm. are outraged that they're not saying anything. So... Um, the public are coming together in an unprecedented way, making T-shirts, organizing vigils for Gabby. Internet sleuths are scanning social media, trying to decipher clues to Gabby's whereabouts and where she was last seen. So the FBI put out a statement asking the public for their help. It reads, the FBI is seeking information from anyone who utilized the Spread Creek dispersed camping area between the dates of August 27th to the 30th 2021, who may have had contact with Miss Petito or Mr. Laundry, or who may have seen their vehicle. Married couple Jen and Kyle Bethune are also traveling influencers and document their travels with their children in a camper van on YouTube. They contacted the FBI with footage from their windscreen GoPro camera. The family have been staying on a campsite in Gran Tatino National Park during the dates mentioned in the FBI statement. And the couple remembered seeing a white camper van parked on the side of a long dirt road leading into these campsites. So in the footage, Gabby's camper van can be seen parked up on the left hand side of the road. Jen tells the media that she remembered the van because they had noticed the Florida plates. So they were also from Florida and had contemplating stopping just to say hello. What are the odds? I know. But as they drew closer, they said the van looked dark and like there was nobody home. Mm. So they assumed that the owners must be out hiking and so continued on their way, not really thinking anything more of it. Um, I mean, why would they? Mm. So it was only when somebody tagged Jen into the FBI statement that she remembered seeing the van and combed through the footage to check if the van could have possibly been Gabby's. She said she got chills down her spine when she found the camper van on her video footage. She knew right away it was Gabby's. The following day, on Sunday, the 19th of September, Gabby's remains were found in the Bridger Teton National Forest, which was within the Grand Teton National Park in Wyoming. She had been strangled by what the coroner described as throttling, and the death was ruled as a homicide. On the 22nd of September, the U.S. District Court issues an arrest warrant for Brian Christopher Laundrie for the fraudulent use of Gabby's credit card. Mm -hmm. He had spent over $1,000 on her card since taking the camper van. So by September 20, yeah, the 25th of September, a reward is put out for information on the whereabouts of Laundrie. On the 7th of October, after weeks of searching, Chris Laundrie goes out with the police on the search for his son, Brian. He indicates one of Brian's favourite spots where he might be hiding in the Carlton Reserve. Now, the Carlton Reserve is an extremely difficult terrain to cover. 75% of the reserve is underwater, making finding anything challenging for the investigators. So in order to try and find Brian, they use canines, so doggos, Yep. Um, Thanks for clearing that one up. Yep. You're welcome. <laughs> I thought you meant fish. Okay, go. <laughs> Search fish. Yep. 
search fish are used. Um, drones and waterboats are used to help. I don't know what they mean by waterboats. I thought all boats were waterboats. I water guess it was quite a swampy, marshy area, wasn't it? So boats that are made... So swamp, oh. swampy boats. Um, boats that are made for water? The boats that are made for water. <laughs> As opposed to the ones made for the road? Yeah, this is a bit like the, okay. the search fish. Um, are you, okay, so anyway, they use waterboats to help cover the terrain over the coming weeks. Um... Yeah, sorry, that's it. <laughs> oh, well, thank you for that. That was, that was great. So finally, the most unhelpful, I think we can all agree, enabling parents, Chris and Roberta Laundry make some little effort to aid in the search for their son. They informed the FBI and the police of places their son likes to visit and camp in, like you said. They told them they intended to go to that particular park the following morning. So Wednesday morning to help in the search for Brian. And what do you know? Lo and behold, after a very brief search off a trail that Brian often frequented with his parents, they find his parents actually find some articles belonging to Brian themselves. So this discovery prompted That's a more... all really sauce, isn't it? Oh my God. It's like, okay, we're not going to help. And then suddenly, oh, well, if he is missing, he may be in this area. And then they walk straight to where his... And like the police have been searching for weeks. Exactly. And then the parents lead him straight to the spot just by coincidence. These parents are just the dodgiest fuckers, I swear. Sorry, excuse my language, but they are. Um, okay, I guess because that's the worst thing we say on this program, <laughs> on this know, podcast, yeah. honestly. So yes, this discovery prompted a more thorough investigation of that area by law enforcement, which ultimately resulted in a grisly discovery. That same Wednesday, 20th of October, 2021, news suddenly broke that would finally bring the answer to the question the world over was asking. What happened to this murder suspect who slipped away from under police watch and had apparently managed to elude authorities for so long? Seven weeks after Laundrie returned home from his van trip without Gabby and four weeks after her body had been found, skeletal human remains were discovered in the swampy Colton Reserve and the adjoining Micah... Mayakahachi Creek Environmental Park. So this was a heavily wooded 160-acre wildlife area in Sarasota County. At this point, the authorities had been searching the Colton Reserve, which was over 24,000 acres for weeks. And that's when the parents just strolled up and happened to find him. But like I said, I mean, 75% of it is under like swampy water. It's underwater, especially at that time of the year. mm. So a lot of it had been submerged where they weren't able to actually access those areas. So they had reason to believe that he could have been hiding out there the entire time up until his demise. So dental records confirmed that the human remains found in the thickly wooded park were indeed those of 23-year-old Brian Laundrie. An autopsy revealed he had committed suicide and he'd shot himself in the head. The mystery was over. This cowardly young man who'd murdered his girlfriend and left her body out, exposed to the elements in the wilderness, was now dead as well. He was just as much of a spineless coward as everyone had believed him to be. He couldn't stand to face up to what he'd done and take responsibility for his cruel and selfish actions. The discovery of his remains finally brought to an end a search that had drawn intense national and international interest. And again, social media and news outlets went into a feeding frenzy. This new revelation was all over the world in minutes. On TikTok, YouTube, you name it, it was dominating the news and social media. The world had been so captivated and invested in this case that it all started with a young pretty blonde girl disappearing during the trip of her dreams only to be tragically killed by the man who was meant to love her. And now he too was dead. Two young lives completely wasted. And for what? All because of his selfish, controlling, violent tendencies and his inability to be able to control them. 
It was not only Laundry's body that was found that day. Near his remains, there was also a backpack belonging to him and a notebook. All these items, all these items were found in an area that until recently had been underwater and they were severely water damaged. Oh no, I didn't realise all the stuff was water damaged. It, it was, but it wasn't completely irreparable. So there was a, a little notebook and in it, Brian basically admits to killing Gabby, but of course he makes out it was some sort of mercy killing and he had to do it for her because she was in so much pain and she was so cold. How kind of him. I know, what a hero. <laughs> so in June 2022, the contents of Brian's notebook was actually revealed to the public. The first part is him lamenting about how much he loved her, was going to miss her and their memories they had together in the van on their travels, etc. And this is what he had written on the rest of it. Although I've edited some out um because he doesn't half like to babble on but um <laughs> but i'm just gonna put in the sort of the, the crux of it basically um, and you can you can read the rest of it online if, if you wanted to um so quote i'm sorry to everyone this will affect gabby was the love of my life but i know this this bit's illegible by many I'm so very sorry to her family because I love them. I'd consider her younger siblings my best friends. I'm sorry to my family. This is a shock to them as well as a terrible grief. They loved as much, if not more than me, a new daughter to my mother, an aunt to my nephews. Please do not make this harder for them. This is an unexpected tragedy. Rushing back to our car, trying to cross the streams of, this bit's illegible, before it got too dark to see, too cold. I heard a splash and a scream. I could hardly see. I couldn't find her for a moment. Shouted her name. I found her breathing, gasping. The blazing hot national parks in Utah. Some of it's illegible because it was wet. Mm -hmm. The temperature had dropped to freezing and she was soaking wet. I carried her as far as I could down the stream towards the car, stumbling, exhausted, in shock when my... Illegible. I knew I couldn't carry her safely. I started a fire and I spooned her as close to the heat. She was so thin already and been freezing too long. I couldn't at the time realize that I should have started a fire first, but I wanted her out of the cold and back to the car from where I started the fire. I had no idea how far the car might be. I only knew it was across the creek. When I pulled Gabby out of the water, she couldn't tell me what she what had happened. She had a small lump on her forehead that eventually got larger. Her feet hurt, her wrist hurt. She was freezing, shaking violently. Whilst carrying her, she continually made sounds of pain whilst I'm lying next to her. She said little, lapsing between violent shakes and gasping in, in pain, begging for an end to her pain. She would then fall asleep. I'd shake her awake, fearing she shouldn't close her eyes. If she had a concussion, but she would wake in pain and start her whole painful cycle again while furious that I was the one waking her. She wouldn't let me try to cross the creek, thought like me that the fire would go out in her sleep and she'd freeze. I don't know the extent of Gabby's injuries, only that she was in extreme pain. I ended her life. I thought it was merciful that it is what she wanted. But I see now all the mistakes I made and I was in shock. But from the moment I decided to take away her pain, I couldn't go on without her. I'm ending my life, not because of a fear of punishment, but rather because I can't stand to live another day without her. I've lost her whole future together, every moment we could have and tried and cherished. I'm sorry for everyone's loss. Please do not make life harder for my family. They lost a son and a daughter, the most beautiful girl in the world. Gabby, I'm sorry. I have killed myself by this creek in the hopes of animals, in the hopes that animals may tear me apart and that may make some of her family happy. Please pick up all of my things. Gabby hated people who litter. Oh, God. 
I mean, and that's just the crux of it. So you can see from that, he is basically saying he's she such was a martyr. so ill and she was, you know, really, really feeling sick and really awful that I had to take her out of her pain. I had to stop it. I had to end her pain for yeah, her. Absolutely full of it. Like they were in some sort of like in like the middle of Alaska or the middle of like, you know, yeah. some, I don't know, like, like they're in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, I mean, they literally the have gone back like... to their van and there was other people around camping. It was just completely ridiculous. And it's just him obviously, again, trying to hide from the truth. And I'm sorry, like how far had they gone out in this hike? A couple of hours? Like how far well, where, away are, could you possibly exactly, be? Exactly. And he was so close to a camping site as well. So this is all him completely, again, unable to take the blame for what he had done. Yeah. So now Brian is dead. Gabby was murdered by her boyfriend, Brian, and we know instantly when she went missing, the laundries closed ranks and hired that attorney. So there was no communication with the Petito family while she'd been missing and no helping in the search for missing Gabby, um, who had actually lived with the laundries. They'd obviously been refusing to talk and cooperate the whole time. They actually said down the line, they had no obligation to help search for Gabby. What? These people are honestly despicable. Sorry, this is the... This, this is, is the laundry. This saying, is the laundry mother who has lost a daughter yes. in Gabby. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And she's saying she we had no obligation to yeah. help look for her when she's missing. <sighs> and as parents, how could they have let that other family suffer like they did? It's it's mad. Um. So, And also Gabby was in a relationship with their son. She had lived with them for a long time. It's completely it's bizarre. Yeah. yeah. So from word go, their behavior had been highly suspicious and it didn't look great for the credibility of the laundry family. It seems like they knew more than they had let on as why would they have needed an attorney? They later said, apparently they didn't know Gabby was dead at that point. If that's the case, what made them keep quiet and hire a lawyer? It was very suspicious behavior and it gets even worse now Gabby has been found murdered and, and Brian was dead. And there's still more evidence coming to light. Now, another absolutely nuts twist in this case was a letter discovered in Brian's backpack near his remains. On the front of the envelope containing the letter was entitled Burn After Reading mm. and addressed to Brian Christopher Laundry. Unbelievably, this was a letter from his mother, Roberta, almost insinuating... Sorry, she's addressed it. Brian Christopher, Christopher his whole name, his whole birth name. Yeah. Almost like, you know, like parents, oh God, it's like if you're in trouble. so dramatic. Go on. Honestly, I can't stand her. So in this letter, Roberta's almost insinuating that she would help him in the event of him committing a murder. This woman is actually insane. She's beyond worse. She is definitely a good contender for I mean, for her and Cindy Watts yeah. should be actual best friends because yeah. this is an actual joke. They are the ultimate enablers of their narcissistic, murderous sons. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to read this letter. Um, I've just got some excerpts. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but again, it is available yes, online. Yes, please. Yes. <laughs> so, quote, I just want you to remember, I will always love you and I know you will always love me. You are my boy. Nothing can make me stop loving you. Nothing will or could ever divide us, no matter what we do or where we go or what we say. We will always love each other. If you're in jail, I will bake a cake with a file in it. If you need to dispose of a body, I will show up with a shovel and garbage bags. If you fly to the moon, I will be watching the skies for your re-entry. If you say you hate my guts, I'll get new guts. Remember that love is a verb and not a noun. It's not a thing. It's not words. It is actions. Watch people's actions to know if they love you, not their words. Therefore, I am certain that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor the ruling spirits, nor things present, nor things to come, Jesus. nor powers from below, nothing the entire created world can separate our love. This is from a mother to her son. This is I mean, madness. Like. It sounds like she's actually like in love with him. 
it's actually it's actually creepy you know nothing can separate our love like it's it's very very weird there was something in there that you said and it's got i, I was getting so like the more you were reading the more <laughs> was getting more aghast you were yeah so on discovery of this letter roberta his mother fought in the courts to make sure that its contents weren't revealed to the public well that's no not sur- surprising no yeah. surprises she also claimed it was written before gabby and brian's trip and that it, it was, was yeah in no way related to gabby 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 Gabby's family, on the other hand, absolutely challenged those assertions. They must have been horrified. Absolutely. And absolutely furious. Because yeah. it's just, it gets worse and worse. It's like the pain, like once you try to heal from one part and then you find out the even next more. Thing. Yeah. So then two years after the young couple set off on their ill-fated cross-country trip, the full letter was revealed to the public. And apparently none other than Roberta herself, who'd actually fought really hard to keep it out of the public eye, then apparently released it. So I think because what I'm, I'm guessing is that like, because it was going to be released regardless, she was trying to act like, well, I wanted it to be in public anyway. You know, oh, I've got I nothing to hide. I think she also was trying to say that it was being uh, read in, because it was being read in like out sections, context, it was yeah. being read out of context. Well, yeah, I yeah, literally yeah. basically, did in, like I'd say like 80% of that letter, the only part I took out was part from the Bible. But I mean, you can look online, you'll see it there. So the letter was the subject of a hearing where Gabby's parents argued it had relevance to the lawsuit they had brought against Brian's parents and former attorney for emotional distress. The Petito family... Yeah, the Petito family argued that the Laundries and their attorney knew that Gabby had been murdered and knew the location of her body when they issued a statement on September 14th, 2021 about the search for Gabby. The Petitos argue the letter's relevance to this lawsuit and their Is family the attorney. Dated? No, it's not. Okay. Okay, cool. uh, the Petitos argue the letter's relevance to their lawsuit and their family attorney, Patrick Riley, said, quote, As we all know, the letter references burying a body, bringing a shovel and burying a body. Those are criminal acts, by the way, that Roma- Roberta Laundrie has said she would commit. End quote. The Laundries have argued in court filings they had no duty to the Petito family, as I stated earlier. In a statement from Roberta Laundrie, read by her attorney, Stephen Bertolino, she said the letter was written prior to the fatal trip and she encouraged people to read it in its entirety, like you said. She said, I truly loved my son and simply wanted to convey to him how much he meant to me and how much I loved him. I'm sure people use phrases all the time to express to their loved ones the depth of their love. I can guarantee you my mum has <laughs> oh never my written to me and told me that she'd help me bury bodies. Literally. Although I chose words that I thought would be impactful with Brian given our relationship. The letter was in no way related to Gabby. She also went on to say the letter was meant to reach out to Brian while she and him were experiencing a difficult period in their relationship. See, I'm telling you, it sounds like she thinks it's her boyfriend or something. So consequently... Didn't they share um, a Pinterest? Yes, but with Gabby as well. Yes. Gabby was on there. So there was a Pinterest that uh, Gabby and Brian and Brian's mum were all on. Yeah, that's true. And it was um, our aspirations and dreams. Yeah. and then It was meant to be Gabby and Brian's aspirations and and dreams, but the mum was on there too. Exactly. And this is the mum who then wouldn't help when Gabby went missing. Yeah. So consequently and unsurprisingly, the Petitos filed to sue Brian's estate for wrongful death and his parents for intentional infliction of emotional distress. The Petitos family attorney, Patrick Riley, said, It is our belief that the Laundry family was aware Brian had murdered Gabby and was aware where her body was located. He says that belief is based on information from the FBI. So it's a pretty solid source. Um, 
Their belief is she was murdered on August 27th. And then the following day, Brian made a really long phone call to his parents on the 28th of August. So literally the next day they believe Gabby was was murdered. Mm -hmm. And what was he calling them about? Why was he on the phone to them for such a long time? And that's when they straight away, straight away after that call, got an attorney. Yeah, but I mean, I think we all know what the call. Well, exactly. So the FBI also stated that, that very same day, Brian had that yeah that that call. The attorney was um, you know hired, and it was all very suspicious. Topic burying bodies. Yeah, and can I just say, if I killed someone, which I obviously won't, guys, um, my mum would literally get me by the scruff of the neck and oh, yeah. drag me, frog Anisha march me down. Frog march me, oh, exactly. Straight down to the Gardaí corner. My mum would kick my butt down there so fast. <laughs> literally, happily, despite her criminal past picking chestnuts out of Richmond <laughs> Park. Okay, so... <laughs> Despite her thug life, she still has some morals. <laughs> she has lots of morals. Now, the Laundries have offered the Petito family a secret settlement ahead of next year's civil trial. The lawyer representing the Laundries, Stephen Bethlino, filed a proposal to Gabby's parents, Joe Petito and Nicole Schmidt, for an undisclosed amount. He said, settlement discussions and proposals are part of the process with every civil litigation. This case is no different. So we can't actually know yet what that settlement is or if it's to be accepted. A lawyer for Gabby's parents said the offer was confidential and should therefore not be commenting. So who knows whether her family will accept this or or not or if it will actually go to civil court. So watch this space, I guess. Now, after obviously this case is very much focused on, on domestic violence and mothers that have been quite enabling and, and families who are enabling. I just want to touch on a few other enabling mothers. Um, I think you know who I'm going to bring up here, don't you? Go on. Cindy Watts. Yeah, you're a big oh, fan of hers. Oh my ours. God. I don't think any, I'm sure every true crime, some person who's interested in true crime knows Cindy Watts is just the epitome of the enabling kind of molly coddling a, a murderer mother. So um, Cindy Watts to this day still sings her son Chris Watts praises. And as we know, he killed his wife, Shanann, and their unborn baby, Nico, and their children, children. Celeste and Bella. So um, his mother, however, will always still say in phone calls and even in court that she didn't didn't care what he did. She'll always love him. Um, She wants to know what triggered him to do that. Um, she's constantly always, always Shanann's fault. fault she's constantly victim blaming about Shanann um, and it's he's she's still very much like has never ever told Chris off for anything it's all very much like well who made you do that I'm sure you didn't do it but if anyone did it was obviously their fault as mm-hmm. in Shanann's fault um, the, like it kind of it kind of makes you question do these men who go on to commit crimes like this Partly is it because they're enabled and mollycoddled and never told that they were wrong from a really young age. They've never had any consequences for their bad actions. So it kind of makes you wonder, did that have a knock-on effect? Is that, is that like that, um, the old nature versus nurture, nurture, isn't it? Exactly, exactly. So I'm not saying that Cindy helped in the crime or Chris's crimes because she didn't. But in the aftermath, when Chris confessed, she was excusing it. She was denying it. She's complete and utter denial and seemed completely um unbothered by Shanann's kind of death and 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 like really seemed like she wanted to place the blame firmly on Shanann's shoulders which as we know absolutely was not the case um then we have the enabling mother of teenage killer Aiden Fucci in Florida so Fucci murdered cheerleader schoolmate 13 year old Tristan Bailey in 2021 by stabbing her over 100 times when he was he was only 14 
So he was charged as an adult with first degree murder and he's serving life in prison as we speak. His 38-year-old mother, Crystal, was later charged with evidence tampering in the aftermath of the murder her son committed. So there was CCTV from inside her own home of her washing Tristan's um, Tristan's blood out of her son's jeans. Sorry, her own CCTV caught so, her. You know when you have a child, so you have like cameras watching the kid in the bedroom. And yeah, the kitty cams. Kind of, yeah, exactly. Nanny cams. So that was in the house. So you can see um, after detectives had taken her son in for questioning, she then locates his jeans and she's seen like furiously scrubbing his jeans in the sink, um, which are covered in blood. Oh. So she pleaded no contest and she received 30 days in jail and five years probation. So um, just to wrap this up, I just want to give a few... She only things. received 30 days in jail? Yeah. For for basically, I mean, because she didn't help in the act, but she kind of helped. Well, she's covering up a crime. She is, but she, I, I guess she tried to say that she didn't know it was blood. Who knows? But I mean, we definitely uh, cover every that one. Every fucking woman knows what blood uh, in clothes yeah, looks yeah, like. Yeah, Don't yeah, be 100%. stupid. I go mad when Harry gets a bit of flipping, you know, sauce on his. <laughs> God forbid there was blood. But um, I just want to wrap up with a few domestic bu- abuse sort of statistics as well. Um, so domestic abuse is unfortunately something that is not rare and it occurs way more than people actually realise. The police recorded over 1.5 million domestic abuse related incidents and crimes in England and Wales in the year ending in March 2022. The number of domestic abuse related crimes rose by 7.7% compared to the previous year, which is quite alarming. Um, so one in every four women will experience domestic abuse in their lifetime. An estimated 1.3 million women are subjected to a violent assault by their partner every year. Jesus. It is still the violent crime least likely to be reported to the police. Any reported history of strangulation places the person at a higher risk for more serious violence or homicide by the hands of their partner. So, um, yeah. And as we know, like, Gabby was strangled by Brian. And so it goes to... Ask the question was, did this happen before? Well, I actually was just about to say, I think the grabbing of the face is a very similar... That's Definitely. Like grabbing somebody and holding the them The control like up that there is, yeah. of like, you know, your neck is your lifeline. Mm. Um, all of that, like and getting someone by the face, that's like ultimate control. So as soon as I saw that footage of it's her... It's so disrespectful Where she said, well. oh, he did this to me. And then she's found strangled not long after. Do I think that was the first time when he killed her was that the first time he strangled her I actually don't think that it would no, have no, been no, no. I, I think it was think an so escalation either. of behaviour where he he he, kill, he ultimately killed her and he must have gotten away with things many times because that doesn't just happen you know it will start with like a, a little a slap a push maybe throwing something at them and then it gets worse and worse ultimately unfortunately resulting in Gabby's murder so um, there is a number for a national domestic abuse helpline. So if anyone is affected by this or knows anyone who they think might be, there is a number for the helpline, which is 0808-200-247. So, um, yeah. And I think also there's another, you know, in uh, Gabby's family have started a foundation called the Gabby Petito Foundation. And their mission is to help find missing people and assist and assist victims of domestic abuse. And that is there's like a website and there's a helpline for that. Um, also, and you can just look that up online by looking for Gabby Petito Foundation. Um, and yeah. I know that that is something that they are very passionate about. And yeah. actually, I saw a really nice thing where her mom and dad both got the same tattoo that Gabby had on her arm Aww. that said "Let It Be." 
Oh, that's so nice. Yeah, on their arms just as a kind of tribute to, yeah. to Gabby. And it's so tragic and so unfortunate that her life was taken way too early mm. by, you know, that absolute coward, like piece of shit, Brian Laundry. But at least there, she now has a legacy where even if it helps one person, Absolutely. her charity, which I'm sure that it will. And, and also her story, if that can just show the signs of, you know, the police, hopefully the police now will know that even if she's saying, oh, it's all my fault, I did this, I did this. Yeah, if, that's if quite anyone common. anyone even can learn from one and save one more life, then, you know, Gabby hasn't completely died in vain. Um, and it's such a tragic ending to, to that search. Um, but hopefully it will change things for the future. Absolutely. Yes, on that note, guys, we'll... Um, Get ready for episode 40 next week. Ah, on that note... If you enjoyed any of our episodes, please leave us a review, a rating, whatever you call it. And um, yeah, five gold stars or whatever they're called. Yeah, five yeah. star reviews <laughs> exactly. and ratings would be much appreciated. All that yeah. kind of stuff is really important for us to gain traction on any of our um, podcast platforms. Yes. So that'd be really, really appreciated. Exactly. And if you have any friends who are into true crime or want some new podcasts to listen to, just send them away. We're happy to have anyone come and listen to our anyone dribble. and any anyone and everyone <laughs> anyone and everyone <laughs> um, don't forget to follow us on instagram tiktok facebook all of our social medias or drop us an email at don't blame the mom at gmail.com yeah okay thanks guys bye, bye.